Crock Elite, a podcast about no effects. Would you believe it? It's only us back again. It's a very special episode, though. A special episode. It's a very surprising episode. Um, we, uh, we've been keeping this one under our hats. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't want to uh, announce anything until it was in the can. That's what they used to say when they recorded stuff on uh, tape and put it in cans. Bit of audio recording history for you there. Oh, I didn't know that. That's quite interesting. Or was it film? It doesn't matter. It's a dead medium. So uh, we, uh, we've we got an interview today. You might be able to tell from the title. Uh, it's with Mike <laughs> Turner. Yeah, absolutely. And what a fun little interview it was. It really was. We didn't, it, do you know what? Heads, hands up. We didn't even mention the split album where um, he and NoFX covered each other's songs. Just we didn't, did we? Didn't even men- he mentioned it at the beginning, right at the beginning, but we spoke about a lot of other stuff. Uh, we spoke about a lot of cool stuff today. I, he, uh, I like I, it. He is one of those dream guests where you just sort of like, you know, you, you wind him up and, and let him go. Like, the. The depth of his, uh, you know, like not only like knowledge of no effects, but his his personal uh, relationship with them as well. Like yeah. there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of interesting stuff in here. Absolutely, but we're not going to uh, get there immediately. We are going to uh, find out. Well, well, what have you been up to, Reg? You been doing anything fun? I've not been up to too much. I've been doing like some boring work stuff, but. Uh, we were both lucky enough to go and see Teenage Bottle Rocket last week. We did. We saw them on today. We're recording this on the Thursday. We saw them on the Sunday, just gone. In Leeds. And they we, were great. We went, They were really, really great. Uh, we went to the Key Club uh, and we, uh, we saw uh, Tom Sidwell from uh, Midlife Punk Podcast. Well, it's quite weird, isn't it, doing this this podcast stuff? Because within five minutes, a couple people had, had, had recognised us from the queue and we were... We were chatting to, I believe, George and Jez. Yes. Um, hello, George. Were... Hello, Jez. Hello. Welcome. And, uh, you know, I had a lovely chat. Yeah. Um, we even revealed to them uh, yes. this week's guest. Yes. So actually, yes. Two... In, in total, five people knew that we were interviewing Frank Turner. That was us three. We're including Frank in the three of us. And... Uh, and uh, Jez and George. To be fair, my girlfriend knew, and I think I mentioned it to several of my friends, but I didn't announce it publicly. So um, same, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. Sometimes uh, that's the problem is that sometimes um, doing a job in the creative world, someone you know will have had a good gig, or they'll have you know booked in something really really nice, or they'll they'll be getting some sort of attention or, or or people will be going oh have you heard so-and-so is doing really well and occasionally you can't help but go yeah but i'm going to interview frank turner next week so shut up <laughs> um and it's not graceful or elegant um it's it's ugly but it is it is a compulsion when you're and, feeling insecure and it is nice isn't it to see like you know uh, really proud of this podcast like particularly the guests that we're getting on now you know Having had uh, Karina and uh, Lily from the Mefs, uh, Robin from Random Hand, and now Frank Turner, uh, yeah. I think it's a, a lovely um, array of artists. Absolutely, yes. We we it took a little while to find a time that we could do, but such is the life of a busy. And you'll find out just how busy 
uh, he is. Um, mm-hmm. If you're not too familiar with Frank Turner, uh, singer-songwriter, although he doesn't care for that term because, you know. Um, but yeah, so he's uh, yeah, a musician, a singer, um, and uh, he is sort of punk adjacent, I suppose, in that he is punk, but the music he makes is not sonically what you'd immediately run to as punk, I suppose. When I mentioned to my girlfriend that we're going to be interviewing Frank Turner, she was a bit like, oh, why? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, because he's a big punk artist and he's worked with no effects. And she's like, oh, I kind of just thought it was just nice indie folk music. <laughs> and I suppose uh, that's, you know, the the worlds that he straddles. Yeah, the ca- the casual listener would hear that and go, would would hear, sort of, you know, any given Frank Turner song and go, oh, I, I think I I think I have the measure of this man. And it goes to prove that one doesn't necessarily have the measure of a man. Absolutely. Like Frank is, you know, so multifaceted in what his uh, career has been and what his career will be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like lovely to have a chat with him. Oh, and stick around to the end because I get to ask him uh, my own uh, personal question that's uh, very close to my heart. And, he, and, you know, and I really appreciated uh, his candor Um <laughs> He absolutely answered. He didn't. He to, I don't think he shied away from any question. No. Uh, maybe favorite member, but um, <laughs> but it's, I'm I'm pretty sure I sent him the list of questions. I don't I, I don't know whether he read them beforehand or not. I think he um, wanted to wing it. It seemed he he wanted to yeah. just get some fresh well, answers. Well, to be honest, if there's anyone who could do it, it would be him uh, because. It honestly sounded like he was reading from a script uh, at some point. <laughs> so so clear with the thoughts coming out of it. I, this is a great interview. Um, I'm really really fond of this one because um, you know I don't I I've never met Frank Turner. I don't think I've seen many interviews with him, so I didn't know how um, how good a chat he could give and uh, top top class top notch world class world class world notch he gives world notch <laughs> chat <sighs> you'll be pleased to know that we red and i do very little talking in this episode uh, it's one <laughs> of those ones um so yeah that's uh it's pretty exciting so if you have anything you'd like to say to us um punk rock elite podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. is the best way to do it actually i think we have had um correspondent oh yeah yes regarding howard stern because uh this was ah. when, uh, we put out the heavy petting zoo no so long and thanks for all the shoes where they put the no effects drugs are good no fx no talent of course clip uh greg uh haledigen haledigen haled halogen halogen i'm so sorry greg I've pronounced your name probably correctly or nearly correctly on this show before, so just remember that time. Um, <laughs> so, I uh, hope you guys are well. Continue to enjoy, continuing to enjoy the podcast. Thank you. Less of a question, more of a defense slash comment about your comments about Howard Stern on the last sure. podcast. Um, I knew you were about to discuss the extra song uh, as I was awaiting to hear your thoughts, I wasn't sure if you would lean towards being a fan of Howard or not. As you may have already guessed, I am a fan of his show. He normally does not listen to punk or the genre. Maybe, uh, maybe a Green Day. I'm guessing that was a bit of Green Day. But <laughs> maybe he listens to a Green Day. 
Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, no, we we weren't attacking Howard Stern. Um, we were just sort of giving what our general impression of who he is, because I still haven't researched him. Yeah, we really don't know. We're, no. we're you know, he's he's not quite the cultural icon over here, sadly, that he is in the States. No, he seems to be doing uh, just fine. Occasionally, I think I might have seen, like, sometimes you're like on YouTube, it'll recommend, oh, here's an artist being interviewed by Howard Stern. It'll be like a little clip. But um, I think I tried to watch one once, and, and it seems that there's Howard Stern, the person being interviewed, and about 20 people who were just also there talking over one another. And it's a bit, it's, it's a bit much for me. Um, so uh, I sort of haven't really stuck them out. Um, anyway, idea for an upcoming podcast discussing closing tracks on no effects albums. Mm. That's a good we idea. Do, I mean, we do talk a lot about the opening tracks. It's actually a really good point because yeah. we have spent a lot of time, as you said, like, uh, you know, focusing on the opening tracks of albums. But yeah, I, I should sit down and have a look at the closing tracks. That's a really interesting point because that's not really a. I, I don't to, to my not like I, I couldn't name all of the closing tracks off of No Effects albums like I could the opening tracks. Yeah, you got like Bugly Eyes, a Scavenger Type, mm-hmm. uh, Falling in Love. So it's quite a quite a broad range of. Uh, of things anyway we'll we'll do that when we've had a look but thank you greg we really appreciate you getting in touch um we've we've hung on long enough i think we should uh, we've teased you with uh, how good it is so we should prove it to you by letting you listen to our interview with frank turner absolutely enjoy on the other side and here we are in that very conversation frank turner welcome hello hi how you doing Good, good. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time to chat with us about no effects. Uh, my pleasure. I mean, it's a thing that is easy to chat about for me. So <laughs> happy days. Lovely. Excellent. Well, um, for those who may not know, uh, could you just give us a, a brief rundown of, uh, of who you are and what you do? Yeah, um, I'm a, um, I kind of detest the expression, but a singer songwriter. <laughs> um, I'm a, more broadly, I'm a kid. I grew up listening to punk rock music. Um, I, I am of the generation for whom Dookie and Smash was the thing, and then No Effects were a huge part of it. Uh, I was in punk bands for a while. I've been playing solo music since 2005, often with a band. Um, I now tour and release records, uh, and I have done a split release with No Effects in my time, and uh, they are old touring and just general buddies of mine. Amazing. That was that was beautifully concise. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I can go on if you want. But no, 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 well, like well, we'll, 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 deep, we'll dive deeper into all of that stuff. So, yeah, so um, so uh, I think we're, we're a similar age. So old school to us is is Dookie and Smash and uh, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, so when, when was it you, um, you sort of remember first encountering sort of punk? Uh, well, the, the, my first the, my first encounter with punk specifically was thanks to Kurt Cobain. Um, I got into metal, <laughs> and so that, that was my first love when I was sort of about 10, 11 years old. I got into like, you know, Metallica, Megadeth, Pantera, Sepultura, that sort of era. <laughs> so then you start buying Kerrang! and Metal Hammer in, in the UK at any rate. And then, yeah. then, then you encounter Nirvana, and this was, you know, this was around in utero coming out. And Kurt Cobain used the word punk quite a lot of the time. Um, and the, one of the peculiarities about my um, exposure to music broadly was that my parents don't really believe in 
like drum kits, modern music passed about 1920 kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so, which means that all of my journey into any kind of popular music, I was kind of an autodidact. Like I taught myself, I, you know, I, my old sister listened to like Tori Amos, I guess. But beyond that, it was like teaching myself. So it was like, what's punk? And my, my best mate, Chris's uncle, was the person we knew who knew about music. So we went to him aged probably 12 and went, oh, Uncle Simon, what's punk? And he went, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, so <laughs> he told us to go and get um, Nevermind the Bollocks and the first Clash record was his recommendation, which we did. Um, and then I can't now remember what order this happened in, but it feels like almost instant at exactly the same time. Uh, Dookie uh, by Green Day and Smash by The Offspring were the two kind of breakout um, punk records of that era, as we all know. And and like in a way that I think is, uh, looking back, is actually possibly causally related to Kurt Cobain's suicide and the end of Nirvana and the kind of implosion of grunge as a concept. I feel like there was a kind of hunger for uh, both in the public and um, among journalists for like a new type of guitar music that wasn't quite so self-destructive, maybe. Hmm. Um, and But yeah, so D- Dookie and Smash arrived and then everybody I knew not everybody knew, most people I knew were into that. Yeah. There, there was a sort of, there was a strange thing when Kurt Cobain died, wasn't there? Which where it was like, you had a sort of a Christ-like figure and then all of the people went, well, we no longer have them and started wandering off in different sects. And yeah. Sort of different <laughs> strains of it started uh, cropping up. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's... I know, I, I know I exactly what you mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, if I may be so... Um, uh, insider trading is to recommend my friend Ian Winwood's book uh, Smash, which is about the punk explosion of the of the nineteen mm. nineties. Um, and he, he writes at great length about the the sort of the link on an industry level. There was a real sense that like the grunge, uh, or more broad, more broadly speaking, the kind of alternative guitar thing was just picking up speed. But they could do mm. with some singers who weren't going to be drug addicts who kill themselves or anything like that I, I don't mean that sound as callous as it is but that sure. was the kind of that was the calculation on the industry side of things particularly from the kind of american major labels um obviously there was stuff already happening bad religion already been a band for 10 years um green day already released a few records as had the offspring and all the rest but i think that there is some sort of causal link going on there mm. yeah absolutely it, it was it was that thing of looking for the next nirvana <laughs> yeah and yeah, Nirvana so. were sort of quite quite a singular band in the you know they were a punk band but they were sort of mid tempo they didn't do a yeah. lot of, they did some very fast songs but they were quite sort of groove oriented. If we're going into it, I mean, even as a kind of a twelve year old with no sort of contextual understanding of what grunge was in terms of understanding anything you know uh, the eighties indie or punk rock or classic rock or anything, because I didn't know any of that stuff when I came across crunch. It always seemed to me that there were two entirely separate things happening in the same city at the same time in the sense that, and, and I, and, you know, I love Soundgarden, um, but and, yeah. uh, I'm not sure what Soundgarden is supposed to have in common with Nirvana other than geography really. And, yeah. and what I mean by that is that I think that Soundgarden are essentially a classic rock band and Nirvana are essentially a punk band. I suppose both put through a particular kind of filter of kind of 80s indie, uh, American 80s indie. But like um, there was always kind of punk grunge bands like the Melvins and like Nirvana and like Tad uh, and Mudhoney and stuff like that. And then there was the kind of classic rock, even metal bands, you know, um, Alice in Chains. What what on earth have Alice in Chains got to do with Nirvana? 
I mean, it's just, and, and I quite like Alison Chains. I don't mean that. Yeah. Anyway, but so, so, I mean, I, I think that Nirvana were a punk band to my mind. They're a different flavor of it, but like it took me having, having the kind of Californian punk rock nineties thing be my kind of patient zero moment for myself. It took me some time to go back and get into stuff like who's could do or indeed scratch acid mm. or Jesus lizard or that other type of, punk you know or butthole surface you know or, or whatever yeah. you know um all of which is just as punk as anything it has just as much claim to the word punk as anything that comes off of religion in my opinion no oh, absolutely yeah it, it's it's sort of a useless term oh yeah totally i mean yeah and and indeed and indeed if people like us could could diverse to direct our energies that we've spent thinking and arguing about definitions of punk towards like curing cancer or like housing the homeless yeah. the world would be a better place but we're here anyway, so let's carry on. Yeah, it would, but not enough people would know that they were posers. So what are we supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah, it's uh, that's how it goes, isn't it? You know, it's uh, it's it is one of those things. It's you know, I've it's it's a term that well, the the one that gets me is pop punk because back long ago, I always thought I thought that applied to what is now sometimes called Ramones core. Yes, I mean, yeah. I know what you mean. I, I think that I think the the buzzcocks are as as quote unquote pop punk as anybody else. But there's a, there's a huge sort of confusion going on in terms between kind of like, um, I mean, to be honest, we live in a world in which the words Indian major have largely ceased to mean anything particularly at all <laughs> yeah, at this true. point. Um, that perhaps yeah. wasn't so much true in the early '90s, but like, you know, um, Adele is on XL. I mean. Go figure. Um, uh, so, so you know, they're, they're, and, and you know, pop punk is. Does the word pop there refer to a kind of intention or a kind of business structuring or sales amounts, or does it refer to a sound thing? Does it mean? Does it basically mean palatable? <laughs> does it mean tuneful? I suppose, yeah. and all this kind of thing. I guess the thing about punk more broadly for me is that, like, in a way that I think is this. This is a sentence that's in danger of disappearing up its own ass. But in the way that is that is arguably quite punk in and of itself, my feelings about the word punk is entirely context dependent. By which I mean, if I am surrounded by other kind of punk people, I find it very easy to pick holes in the concept and kind of slightly belittle it and argue it out of existence and talk about anything else really. But if I'm in a room full of people who don't really know what punk is, I will fucking defend it to my dying breath. Do you know what I mean? I will draw my broadsword and stand on a hill. Um, so, you yeah. know, it's like it, it, there is a sense on which like as a kind of ethos or a set of ethics or, or a philosophical idea. And I'm not sure it's quite any of those things, really. But like for my experience of it was was as social as much as musical. And it was discovering a um, self-defined group of people who were kind of opposed to. I mean, opposed to the mainstream, I suppose we probably would have said that in the mid-90s, but I mean, it sounds terribly naff now. Um, but like, you know, for me, like punk rock meant kind of sanctuary. It meant, it meant uh, to use a, mo a modern term, it meant a safe space, do you know what I mean? And like, from a number of things and from the fact that I got shipped off to a boarding school as a kid and I hated it and I hated everybody who was there and I kind of found punk in London and I went to London to go to punk shows and that was my kind of life raft, if you want. But also like, I mean... Um, again, demographically, like I'm of the age where the kind of the um, the Blur Oasis chart metal thing was aimed at me, <laughs> as it not personally, but yeah. like demographically, by 
kind sure. of marketing executives at, at major labels. And um, in the week that that it was Country House and whatever the roll other with one. it roll with it. Yes, there we go. Ah. Um, in that week, this is this is definitely true because it was my grandmother's funeral, and that, that was in Exeter. And I went to a record shop in Exeter, and I got a copy of Black Flag, uh, uh, the first four years uh, on CD from a record store in Exeter whilst bunking off from the wake basically um uh, and roll with it was out and everything and they and like i was wearing a suit because i've been in a funeral and i went into this record store and the guy just looked at me like what the living fuck is going on we've got a we've got a we've got a 15 year old in a well 14 year old probably in a suit asking about black flag in the this, this is pretty weird uh but yeah but i got my black flag suit but i mean so and i went home and i made it i had a homemade t-shirt that said shit pop that i wore to school and then got beaten up uh for wearing that um because it, you were allowed to hate each other for not liking Burrow and oasis and you probably won the competition by liking pulp uh but if you hated them, all of them uh then you were fair game so uh but yeah so punk was a kind of like it you know in a way that on the one hand sort of feels very sort of adolescent and all the rest of it but it was important to me as a kid do you know what i mean it was my my um uh home safe you know do you know what i mean it's like if you're at a punk show then it was going to be all right no, absolutely, and and I think that um, that thing of that we've spoken about it before, and we've read the thing of chosen family, and you know, that absolutely, being yeah, yeah, a yes. hugely important thing. And um, uh, Red and I are both uh, non-binary individuals, and so you know, we're understanding chosen family from a, a queer perspective uh, sure. and all that kind of thing. But yeah. it's precisely the same thing in a in a sort of an outcast you know to- I mean, to- totally i mean i, I think in perhaps in a, uh, in, in in talking to of myself here in a, in a more sort of like bourgeois kind of fight perhaps but then it is in dealing with like, <laughs> you know i'm i'm, I'm uh, but i mean at the same time in the recent years when the kind of conversations it's, it's, about it's, gender identity and that kind of thing have come along i feel like people from the punk scene just kind of went sure cool like no big yeah, deal absolutely. you know what i mean like it, it was kind of like we're already dealing in this kind of um thought landscape and vocabulary anyway do you know what i mean yeah. so yeah um you know and like i mean i would not i wouldn't want to take anything away from my good friend laura for her um uh path beating i don't know what the word i'm looking for is you know sort of uh, being a, 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 at the forefront of of being publicly out as a as a transgender woman and all the rest of it but nevertheless it, i was pleasantly surprised by the way that most of the punk scene just went cool do you know what I mean? It's like there were other parts of the world <laughs> yeah. that yeah. had to have more serious conversations about it. But the, specifically what I think of as the kind of genuine punk scene was just like, gotcha, understood, carry on. Do you know what I mean? And that and was quite heartening in a way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I remember when that when that happened because it was kind of, uh, it, I hadn't been keeping a huge sort of a, a, like a real uh, magnifying glass on against me. I've been ticking along going, oh, haven't heard from them in a while. That would be nice if they released something. And then um, people were sharing around the. It was Rolling Stone, I think. She did a big um, she did, interview yes. with, and it was sort of. It was. It was like okay. That, yeah. Hmm? But then I mean, it, like as it was, I, I had uh, one of those things because I we were on tour with Against Me shortly before the Rolling Stone piece came out, and I didn't have any inkling oh, beforehand. Oh, yeah. But what was. Um, what was kind of cool about it was it came out, you know, and I mean, it was big news. That's of course it was, I mean, in many different ways, but like it, it was a teachable moment for me. The next time I saw Laura, it was just like not a deal at all. Like it was just still hanging out with my friend, like, and 
you know, yeah. retrospectively, there are lyrics that pointed in that direction and, you know, yes, absolutely. some of us could have paid more attention to that sort of thing uh, in the run-up. But nevertheless, it was like, it was just kind of, yeah, it was just really kind of chill. But equally, w- would she have copped to it if you'd have approached her about well, it? Yeah. And, and it would that have, I mean... So, you know, so, you know, you know, you you can't give yourself a hard time if the person is actively keeping that from you until course, they're ready to, you yeah. Know, yeah. So, you know, that's uh, but it, and it did lead to um, by far and away my favorite against me re- release. Transcendent of Four Blues. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's it's, it's it's my joint favorite album of theirs. But yes, I mean, I think it's a fucking masterpiece. Like, what would be your 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 joint favorite with? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fashionably enough, it would be New Wave. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. That was yeah. interesting. Uh, I, I think. I mean, I, I, you know, what? Funnily enough, I did a podcast about against me two days ago, so I'm just still fresh <laughs> in my mind. I, um, there's a guy doing a podcast just about against me. It's great. Um, but like, I was really into Crime as Forgiven by when that first came out, and then I slightly, slightly lost track of them. They sort of became a bit more of a normal band for a minute, and I, and what I'd enjoyed about them mm-hmm. was the fact that it was sort of a, a solo. Well, not quite a solo project, a duo project, maybe on crime. Mm. So I sort of slightly tuned out for a record or two, and then um, I sort of missed the fat wreck, the fat wreck years of that band. I wasn't really paying attention, and then yeah. uh, New Wave came out, and everybody was talking about them in a good, in good and bad ways. Um, uh, but you know, they were very sort of du jour. They were touring Foo Fighters, whatever it was, and I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I remember this band. I went and checked it out, and I still think New Wave is amazing. And incidentally, to go back to our broad pointless conversation about punk rock and its definition um <laughs> i think that there's a very easy way of defining punk rock and it's the line from new wave when uh laura sings we can be the bands that we want to hear and it's like there we go job done yeah. everyone can go home now yeah. uh, <laughs> we're off the <laughs> do you know what i mean like, finally that's not going to take a lot of ink to let everybody know that yeah do you know what i mean it's like could you yeah. not let us know this a little earlier it would have saved some time we've be curing cancer. You've been or sitting on this for how long? Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, and it, it, I, I, and I thought that one of the reasons that not only will Laura have been a better songwriter because she'd been doing it for X years longer than she had the last time they released any music, but also that little bit of self censorship, that little bit of sure. um, shield will have dropped, and so you know, yeah. and being genuine being authentic which is another thing that comes under the broad punk you know is it punk is it authentic and all that kind of thing anyway that's uh we're, we're deviating a bit do you remember frank the <laughs> first time you heard no effects uh, to, uh yeah we're back on topic thank god um we are, uh, we're trying, we're trying. i feel like we'll the, three leave us, the three of us could probably spiral out of control quite easily i'm enjoying this concept. <laughs> it'll happen again don't worry okay. but we'll 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 try but and let's we'll rein it in let's make at least an attempt to stay uh, in uh, on topic um we'll, we'll, I, I don't have a specific memory of like a light going off and uh, a light being switched and and bye no effect my enduring memory of that period of my life is that um in a way that I think it's really important not to kind of imbue with any sort of like moral worth, right? But for every 10 people who had a copy of, let's say, Dookie, maybe four of them would then discover who NoFX were. Um, yeah. uh, and then maybe maybe or, you know, maybe three of them would discover Everything Sucks and two of them would discover Social D and one of them would find their way to 
bad religion, let's say, or even black flag or whatever. So there was a kind of filtration process. I mean, like I say, I don't, I'm old enough now to look at that and say that doesn't make you a better human for having, and arguably it means you probably had fewer friends at the time. That was certainly true of me. Hi. Uh, but like, um, but you know, so there was, uh, there, there was definitely, it was kind of like, some people were like, Dookie is cool. Um, and then whenever the next thing was on the radio, this also now is cool. Um, you know, whereas there was a kind of like the, the, there was a sort of core of people who were more interested. And I felt like no effects were kind of like the, the top of the underground, if you see what I mean. Like the, the first band you'd run into if you decided to kind of open the trap door and go down a flight of stairs. Um, <laughs> uh, in, in, in a good way, you know. And I do think yeah, yeah. like one of um, Mike's sort of things he talks about a lot, which is I think he is perfectly entitled to do so, is that they're kind of, they're almost like the biggest band that never sold out certainly of that era, um, depending on your definition of selling out, of course, but like, you know, they've never been in the major. They've never really had a hit single. They've, they don't really have one record that overshadows all the others. I mean, possibly punk and job but I think that was an accident of timing more than of kind of musicality by which I mean, I love that record, but I think Solomon Sanctuary Little Shoes is as, is as good and on and on. Um, so, but yeah, so I, I remember, you know, I probably, uh, I have a specific friend and we were probably kind of, smoking a bit of a car tire that his older brother had sold to us as hash um uh in his bedroom <laughs> uh, you know what i mean um and it's like i feel yeah. really weird i guess this is being high um uh <laughs> that's a pretty strong feature of that period of my life um and then uh and then you know listening to punk and Joplin, um and and pretty instantaneously loving it i mean it's one of those records particularly punk and Joplin. i mean white trash as well Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where it's like I can't now remember a period of my life where I was listening to it all the time, but I know every fucking word and note on that record and Heavy Pattern Zoo as well. And then I, the first record they put out when I when I was already a fan was So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes, and I remember that. I, possibly Heavy Pattern Zoo, but definitely So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes, and I remember kind of getting that when it came out as the new No Effects record. Amazing. So it's um, yeah, they, they, it, it, you don't always sort of remember because sometimes you never know whether people have got tapes from older siblings and stuff. Or they're just on in the background, yeah, yeah, sure. or they've you know, and all this kind of thing. But it's so, and that would be, and so, so that would be sort of like you know, if what well, let me see, so long was what ninety eight. Something like that. Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I I was definitely into them kind of prior to this. Sort of my my kind of. Um, yeah, it's mid-90s. I mean, 1998 was a hugely sort of pivotal year for me in many different ways. It's, I went straight edge in 1998. You'll be tickled to discover. <laughs> um, for like four years, I might add. Yeah. Um, uh, but like, um, and, uh, you know, uh, being 16, lots of things happened. I did my first tour. Um, uh, I put out a zine. I lost my virginity. It was a big year. Um, uh, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but, and, and so long and thanks for all the shoots came out. So, um, yeah, big year. I mean, I don't know Mike personally, but I imagine he would take credit for all those other things. Happening yes, too. I'm sure he would. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, well, I mean, if you haven't heard "Eat the Meek," then that would never have happened. So, yeah, you know. possibly. I mean, I don't think that um, I lost my virginity to an RFX record. I, no, I mean, and if, <laughs> and if you did, it would be quite all right too. I mean, the, the song, the song, the songs were short enough. I'll say that. Anyway, <laughs> moving, moving That's on. True, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, and depended how monosyllabic she was. Yes, <laughs> but, yeah. yes, very good. So, um, um, 
yeah no well uh we're, we're going to move into i did send you the uh the questions i think um in advance yes um, I'm, I'm i'm but i'm far away i can don't worry about it we're, we're going to ask them uh, as we ask everybody uh so firstly do you have a favorite no effects song i mean it's very hard to pick one and there's an obvious cheat with no effects which is to pick the decline <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, that said, I mean, it's potentially that is my answer to the question. Um, partly because, haha, I got eighteen minutes of music out of them, or however long it is. Um, but also, <laughs> the uh, Thailand discs, Frank. No, I suppose. Um, but like, I mean, I do, I do, I do remember because there was there was a glut of no effects ish bands at that period of time. Some of which were better than others, and and I think that generally speaking, you know, people remember Nose for a Name and Lagwagon and people like that. Great bands, all. Um, uh, there were quite a lot of others, you know, and I remember kind of getting whether it would be fat music, fat people. This was a period of time, as I'm sure you remember, where like you know, no internet for music, so there was a local record store to me who would put aside anything with Epitaph for Fat Record on uh, for me for when I came in, and more often than not, if I had the money, I would buy it. And yeah. sometimes that meant I got some great records and sometimes it meant I ended up with like six Down By Law albums, which is more Down By Law <laughs> albums than, I don't know if it was six. It was, <laughs> I, I had quite a few records by Down By Law and wasn't a huge fan. Um, uh, so, do you know what I mean? Like there was, a, so, but, but I feel like when, I remember when The Decline came out, there was a real sense of them kind of being like, no, no, we're definitely like ahead of the the pack as it were do you know what i mean not only did we arguably do this first although interestingly mike would dispute that strongly uh mike to this day maintains that no effects are basically a bad religion covers band um which i find really interesting <laughs> um uh for lots of different I, reasons I don't for the rkl erasure that he's going on for there as yeah it? well <laughs> i mean one of the things i was i mean i personally and i say this is all the respect in the world and i have said this to members of the band I'm not, I was never the biggest Bad Religion fan, personally. I've always respected Bad Religion enormously, but they never yeah. quite grabbed my heart, whereas no effects. Uh, that, and that's changed over the years, I might add as well. But as a kid, I was a no effects guy, but not Bad Religion guy. But I told Mike that, and he very nearly hit me in the face. It was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so they. they a um, full threat individual, yeah. Yes, indeed. But so, so I mean, the decline, but I mean, I have a song that I wrote called. Um, Try This at Home, which was, in, lots of people think was a reference to Billy Bragg, but it wasn't. It was a reference to No Effects as The Decline, which in the sleeve says, don't try this at home. Uh, and I was in a kind of no. crap pop punk band at the time, and we wrote our own 18-minute long song that was fucking awful. Um, but we did give it a try. <laughs> and the only part of that song which has ever seen the light of day is I have a, the last track on my most recent record, FTHC, has a bass, uh, is called Farewell to My City, and it's based around uh, a bass line that was the concluding part of my old band's 18-minute long song. Ah. So, wow. um, uh, but the rest of it, I mean, I do occasionally think about mining the rest of it for parts because there's some moments, but not many, <laughs> um, that are worth salvaging. But anyway, so, so, so I'm going to pick the decline. There we go. There's my answer. Absolutely, no, no, no. it's a- absolutely, uh, absolutely uh, uh, a valid thing. It's, um, yeah, it, it also. I mean, we've had people um, choosing like some of the, you know, the really short stuff off of the EPs as well. So it is nice yeah. to sort of get a, a breadth of, uh, of fuck the kids volume, yeah, nine or whatever. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's it's important to say as well that I mean, I think the decline's incredible and has some beautiful lyrics in it and all that. It's it's also incidentally kind of how I know them. Um, 
this is a story worth throwing in at this juncture, given our chosen topic for the day. Um, so uh, it was Reading Festival, I think 2011. I played already on the main stage and I'd gone over to the, um, the lock-up stage, as it was then, where mm-hmm. no effects were playing. And I'd just sort of gone to hang out because we'd always played the lock-up stage in previous years and I knew Mike Davies, who ran that stage, was a good friend of mine. Yes. Um, and no effects were playing and that was really exciting to me because I love their music. And they were going to do the decline and they were going to get Matt Skiba from Out3 to play guitar at the end when Hefe starts playing the trumpet. And Matt had gone walkabout is the polite way of putting it he'd gone on a bender somewhere i think um and there was a bit of a kind of they were just about to go on stage and there was a bit of consternation about well who's going to play guitar on the end of the decline and mike davies said to fat mike um uh well i bet frank knows it and fat mike said who the fuck is frank um and i was like (laughs) hello um and he was like do you know it and i was like i know the whole song on guitar and he was like yeah and i was like he was like, do you know the end part? I was like, y- yes, yes, I know the end part. Um, and so they were like, fine. And they went on and did their thing and they finished the decline and I came on and I played guitar. And uh, and I, it was a fucking incredible thing to do. I was very, very stoked to be part of that. Um, but Mike said after the event, because basically I then didn't, I saw him about six months later, I played a show in LA, which he came down to. And he told, a solo show. And he told me that, a big part of the reason came down is he said that when I got up to do the decline, I sung the backing vocals. Uh, and he said that I was probably the 50th person to play guitar on that bit. And nobody had ever sung the backing vocals before. And he'd been, ah. this had piqued his curiosity as to who the fuck I might be. Um, Cause I was doing, you know, we are the queer, we are the whore with the ammunition. And that was sort of singing all that bit. So, um, and that was the beginning of him sort of paying attention to me and what I do. So it has a special place in my heart. Wow, oh, that's lovely. That's brilliant. That's uh, I, can't, I can't believe that was thrown in as an after afterthought. That's, yeah. uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's it's, it's incredible. Yeah, well, I mean, but it's no, funny that's, because that's like I, I sort of it, it, I have this with I'm fortunate enough to have this with a number of bands in my life, but No Effects is the kind of best example of it for a lot of reasons. I have to sort of well, I maintain a kind of distinction in my mind between my kind of social experience of a band or whatever, but I think it's important to retain my love of them as a band so if you ask me what my favorite no effect song is my mind it returns to me and my late teens kind of thing and that listening experience yeah. as opposed to like hanging on the bus with the boys kind of thing despite sure. the fact i have done no, that no, but, no, like, do you know what i mean it's like I, I, and, and i'm very, and very cool that is too and they're very lovely people but it's like they're still fucking no effects do you know what i mean and like i don't want to lose that sense of that yeah, you you want to you want to continue to be a fan, and yeah, do you know what I mean? You, the more you get to know an individual, can you know? <laughs> that, don't meet your heroes thing. There's a reason people say it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, yeah. I feel like this apply. might be. A, it doesn't always apply. I feel like this may be you you segueing into another theme of our conversation, possibly. <laughs> Not quite, but uh, we'll. Uh, but you know, th- there are there are people. You know, there are people go. I met this person, and it was they were so wonderful and amazing. And then someone goes, I met them two days later, and they sure. were a prick. Oh yeah, and I, I'm I'm on the receiving end of this sometimes, and like I and oh. it has therefore taught me to understand that like people have bad days, motherfucker. Do you know what I mean? I, many yeah. many years ago, when I was in uh, Million Dead, my old band i was in um there was a day when i would i got out of the van when we arrived at the gig 
because my girlfriend at the time was breaking up with me on the phone and I was attempting to forestall this. And then a bunch of kids came over and asked for a photo and I was like, no. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And they were like, what a fucking yeah, dickhead. Yeah. And I was like, I felt really bad about it, but, I, but not least because this was the very beginning of me being able to even conceive of me having like fans of any kind. Do you know what I mean? Um, but it was just <laughs> yeah. like, on, honestly, not now. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. And then she dumped me anyway. So, <sighs> terrible. I should have taken the photo. Yeah. Well, <laughs> ah, you know, you live and learn. But that's, yeah. uh, but I in, suppose in that's theory. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, yeah, that's the thing is that obviously uh, a million dead were um, at the sort of level whereby they, yeah, I, I imagine you were definitely sort of, a good few people's sort of favorite thing. I, you know, I, th- you, you, I've... I think so. I mean, I, I, it's, you, I must, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> I mean, I imagine. Yeah, there, there, I, there I, I get some, it. But... Yeah. There are, there are some tattoos out there and that sort of thing uh, for contemporaneous ones as well. But like, I mean, to this day, I, I sort of yeah. try not to think about that kind of thing too hard because it seems. Sure. No. I, I only say, because I know um, uh, my friend Owen was in a band called color of fire and uh so seeing them and seeing them having sort of fans i'm like what what you're getting excited about owen for yeah well of course weird of course you know um but then you sort of go oh no wait they are they are mythical creatures to people who didn't grow up in the same village as them right exactly you know and 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 there is that thing you know but anyway i think we're uh Oh, we've digressed. We, we, we have. We've done it again. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, <laughs> question number two. Uh, <laughs> do you have a favourite NoFX album? I mean, if yeah, I, probably So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. I mean, hmm. that's probably the one I know best. Hmm. Well, in a, in, a, in, a, in a crowded field, I should say. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's got to be that one. It's, it's Eddie's favourite as well. It's my favourite too. Right, yeah. slap fats. And, and again, yeah, slap fats. And I, I'm pretty sure that again, it was, it was the most recent one. I don't know if it came out before or after I got into them. I just know that it was the new one. Right. Um, you know, and and and, um, and, it, and it had the chocolate vanilla and and strawberry front cover and yeah, kind of just also like them kind of like so long and thanks for all the shoes the idea that they were kind of like leaving kind of warts all behind or whatever lots of mm. things i i kind of learned in later years but like it's just you know i thought there's this so this is the other thing we, we were talking about punk earlier i promise this is relevant and i'm not just predictably dragging this ball and chain of a conversation back to where we started no no, no. The, the, the punk rock is sanctuary and it is acceptance and it is all of those things um hold on so this, I'm getting grand theory for a second here, but like one of the things for me is that like I do feel that in the last couple of decades there's been a bit of a kind of uh, movement towards punk rock sort of being a synonym for niceness in a way that I'm slightly uncomfortable with. <laughs> and I, as in, it's like it's punk if it's just sort of pleasant or kind or considerate or something like that. And like I'm mm. arguably as responsible for that as many other people might be, but it, it also reminds me of kind of like calvin johnson k records and that sort of strand of punk there's a bit of kind of late 80s positive hardcore kind of pma kind of in the mix as well but it's sort of 
I mean, to be, you know, the be kind, be more kind. That was my, you know, there is a kind of sense in which there are people there. I feel like there are younger people. And and I mean, ultimately, like punk means whatever the people using the word choose it to mean. But like, you know, sort of punk just means being kind of nice to people. And, And I slightly that that feels like it's not the full story to me I, or it feels you know to me there is also an, a, a a strand of punk rock which is just kind of like rejectionist it's kind of it's it's just offensive or it's or it has the potential to be offensive i'm not sure it's needlessly offensive but like you know i i feel like um uh like there was a big debate about mike kind of like kicking some guy who grabbed him around the neck you know, and it was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, which, yeah. which was just horseshit from top to bottom, incidentally. Like Mike mm-hmm. said, I've got a bad back. And also, it doesn't matter if you're punk mm-hmm. or not. If somebody fucking grabs you around the neck while you're on stage, like that yeah, is, a, yeah. and let me tell you as somebody who does it for a fucking living, that is a moment that you fucking, you react. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And like, and you, and not only do you react, you're within your fucking rights to react as well. Regardless, um, sure. there were a lot of people kind of going, oh, that was, you know, and people trying to sort of like, um, kind of adjudicate whether the first kick was justified, but the second one perhaps wasn't justified and all this kind of thing. And it was just a bit kind of like, do you guys know who TSOL are? Do you know what I mean? And like, what, <laughs> what do you think was like going on at like do, at, at punk shows in the eighties and like the dwarves, do you know what I mean? Or fucking butthole surfers. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Else. And it's like, so I'm not sure. I mean, first of all, who cares is an important caveat to this whole thing. But my own personal feeling about punk rock is there is a kind of, there has to be a kind of like slightly kind of anarchic thumbing of the nose kind of spirit to it, as well as it just being kind of warm and welcoming. Both things kind of need to be in the mix for me. And so like the reason I think of all of this, and I promise I'm going somewhere relevant with this, (laughs) um, is that like, I just thought it was so fucking cool that, uh, and I still do, incidentally, that the first song on So Long, Th- on so Long and Thanks for All the Shoes is It's My Job to Keep Punk Rock Elite. Because it's like a song that is calculated to piss everybody off at the same time. Because, <laughs> you know I mean, and in a way that is, I now know to be a, a unique skill of Mike's and one that I take my hat off to. Because it's just, it's like, it's a fuck you to the mainstream, but it's kind of a fuck you to the underground as well. And it's it's a fuck you to new bands, but it's kind of a fuck you to old bands. And it's just this sort of like revolving 360 flipping the bird of a song, which I just think is fantastic. <laughs> and I back it to the hilt, do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, uh, yeah. And, I, I, and it's a signature move, yeah. But just being that self-proclaimed, now I'm the one who decides. Totally. Well, and, and just using is, the... using is, is such a such a gatekeeping neck beardy move but right. saying it deliberately to upset people in that gatekeeping neck beardy way right yeah, yeah. completely completely and and like and also as a, in point of fact he is one of the people who gets to say that thank you very much i mean that's been one mm-hmm. of the other features of recent years has been kind of like you know i don't think that um punk it should be like age deferential really but i mean there's been the specter in more recent years of kind of kids who were born in like the late 90s trying to tell fat mike what isn't isn't punk and i'm just like point, point, <laughs> point of order please yeah. i was just gonna say it's not age it's it's sort of achievement i suppose isn't it right it's... do you know what i mean and well and so now we move on to the fact that like i mean i would say with some degree of confidence that mike is the punkest person i know full stop and like hmm. Um, I mean, I, th- I think he'll probably 
Well, first of all, I'd seriously, I mean, I mean, no person on your podcast, but I doubt Mike would listen to a podcast about NFX. That seems like a thing Mike probably wouldn't do. Um, oh, yeah. I, no doubt in my mind he wouldn't enjoy yeah. it. But uh, if he did, or, he might yeah. take exception to what I'm about to say, but fuck it, I don't care. Sure. He, he talked about me on a documentary about me and said some hilarious shit, so fuck you, Mike. Um, uh, the, <laughs> but basically, like, I mean, I think there's a kind of, there is a slightly kind of um, cinematic kind of... Uh, urge to say oh, i don't care what anyone thinks about me in the punk scene and in society more generally and first of all it's almost never true and it probably shouldn't be true because there's something almost kind of like on the spectrum about not caring what anyone thinks about you i'm not sure how desirable a trait that actually is in real life nevertheless the only person who i know well who of whom i would say that is true is mike like he doesn't give a fuck and it is the punkest <laughs> shit ever and 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 like we've been friends for well over a decade now and and i consider him a good friend but he's still there are still plenty of moments when i'm just like fuck that fucking hell dude <laughs> like and and i say that with love uh but like he's punk yeah. as fuck like he doesn't care yeah it's weird because he always cites uh, like Fletcher from Pennywise or uh, other people <laughs> as being the punkest people. And I think what he means is people who will pick you up, throw you in a bin and, yeah. then, and, and then go, <laughs> do you want to drink? Yeah, totally. I mean, Fletcher's a funny one for me because Fletcher is, is a little too strong. <laughs> Somehow, like, he just like He's a big he just unit, he genuinely he? does kind of damage people and things in a slightly kind of like oblivious way and it's his i'm not saying he has a bad heart at all but like it's it can be physically challenging to be kind of manhandled by fletcher i'll say that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but that's it and and i think um i think mike sort of maybe or i've seen interviews and stuff where he seemed to sort of idealize that sort of fletcher or just sort sort of wander into a place like eating a pasty and, and wonder how strong the door is. Yeah, and totally. Then, you know, he definitely. Yeah. What's going on in here? Yeah. And abs- um, yeah. And, and I think he likes that because there's an element of danger. Right. Well, and I guess that's the thing. Like you know, um, you know, there, I guess to go back to what I was saying more broadly about punk rock is like I think there's an interesting kind of uh, discussion about the the word safe. I suppose would be the thing because it's mm-hmm. like you know I like the idea of punk rock being a safe place to be for myself but if i don't want the art that comes out of that to be safe necessarily um personally i mean you know um and uh you know i like i like the 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 offensive bits and effects i like the fact that there are moments when you, you're just like oh no they're not going there are they and then it, they are they almost always are um and yeah. and, and uh you know um so i mean you know, I think there's with NoFX and with punk rock more broadly, I like to sort of try and take the whole package. Let's say that, you know. Uh, it it just reminded me of, uh, for some reason, the most punk of all of the uh, young uh, young adult uh, novels, but the lot in the witch in the wardrobe. There's a bit where uh, the children, <laughs> the Pevensey children, are asking Mister Beaver about Aslan, and one of them says, um, "When we meet him, is it safe?" And he goes, safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, yeah. I like that, yeah. If I end up nicking that in, in some sort of musical context, take the credit. I, I will do, no worries. Um... <laughs> 
Hello everyone, Eddie here. Red and I hope you're enjoying our show. If you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily, then you can donate to us at our coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash punk rock elite. Or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. You've already mentioned that uh, you you think the decline contains some beautiful lyrics, but do you have a sort of a favorite lyric, either as a whole or just a, just a single line or, or um, a couplet or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I d- many. Um, but actually, uh, I would cite... The, the song of theirs that fucked me up the most in recent years was the song Birmingham off single album. Um, mm. okay. uh, because not least because uh, I think I can say this um, freely, like Mike and I have done a lot of drugs together and drugs have been a feature and not an especially useful one of my life for many years. Um, and I have largely kind of moved beyond that in my life. That's a whole other conversation. But anyway, sure. We, we, we've done well, a lot together. We are not qualified to uh, undertake, <laughs> I assure you. Um, we, we, we've done a lot of drugs together and had some pretty DMCs, you know what I mean? Deep and meaningful chats uh, in that context, actually. Um, and uh, that song, Birmingham, really, like, in a good way, it slightly broke my heart. And, and like, it was such a raw song. And um, as... As a well, I mean, I was going to say former addict, but that, we're not really supposed to say that. As an addict, whatever. Like um, the the um, the line, I don't like doing drugs. I just like doing more. Just fucking kills me because it is so incredibly on the nose um, and on the money. And it, you know, it is. You know, as 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 somebody who's had a lot of problems with that stuff, like it, you almost you find yourself in that situation where. You, you know, if you do one line, then you're going to be going for five straight days. Um, and you find yourself looking at that first one and going like, I don't really want to do this, but then you do. And then you're off to the fucking races yeah. uh, and, um, and all the rest. So uh, that, that was, I mean, I, I think Mike is a great lyricist. I love a lot of his words, but that one is, I, I called him up after I listened to that song for the first time and said, thanks man. That, that actually helped. Wow. It's it's interesting. I remember having uh yeah, that song stuck out on is that single album, I think. Yeah, single album, yeah. 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 Um that one did stick out as uh, as being one that really took caught me off guard. Yeah. And it's um it's not something I normally talk about, but there there um I do have a, a history of um <laughs> disordered eating, let's say. Right. Um and that don't like doing drugs, I just like doing more again was sort of if if you made that, this is so cool. But if you turn that from uh, from pills to cake, <laughs> that's what I mean. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I live I, in a cake. I, yeah, I know. That's why uh, I can't. I can't listen to I live in a cake. I used to. No, um, but it's, <laughs> I can't listen to I live in a cake because it's I live in a cake. Um, that's the main reason. But um, yeah, so it is that the, there is that thing of um, Mike has a. A, a very singular way of of expressing stuff of very simply expressing sure. some stuff that that is complex and and does can sort of contain multitudes yeah. so yeah that's uh that's a that's a great choice thank you for that frank i appreciate the uh appreciate the candor um 
this one this one might be you you may well have a lot to choose from uh do you have a favorite memory of no effects now if you want to you can choose a uh pre-friend post-friend uh split um or I mean, as, a fan, um, as, a, as an acquaintance, <laughs> whatever you like. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I mean, I'm trying. The thing is, like, I'm, I'm friendly with everybody in NoFX, but Mike is is the one who I am mostly most friends with. Let's say. So, if you say NoFX, I mean, it's a more collective thing. I mean, I I, I remember. Um, so, this is going to sound slightly um, hysteric for a second, but like, essentially, uh, my band who I tour with, the Sleeping Souls, um, who are my guys, um, but like they are all guys from more of a kind of broadly speaking, like indie to in to rock kind of background. So um, my own kind of proclivities uh, for obscurantist punk rock uh, has always been kind of my, my thing rather than our thing. Let's say that. Um, uh, but then, you know, for example, we got a tour with opening for social D in the States in 2009 and uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I lost my mind. Nobody else in my band had heard of social D. Um, yeah. uh, so uh, so there's long been a kind of dynamic between the four of them and me that like it's like oh it's one of Frank's fucking little punk bands that he likes or whatever whether it's at festivals <laughs> or late night on the bus me trying to explain to people that Butthole Surf is the most important band in the 1980s or you know or kind of demonstrating that I still know every single word to the first um four propaganda records or whatever it might be um and uh there was a we did we did after that first thing at reading we did a bunch of festivals with them one summer probably 2013 2014 something like that can't quite remember it was in germany i remember that um and Mm. i kind of was like we'd played already and no effects were going on and i was like guys fuck let's go and see no effects they're incredible and everyone's like is it one of your little punk bands kind of thing? Um, uh, and I remember that, uh, you know, because I, I quite often play the music they don't like is also part of this conversation itself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, listen to Discharge. And they're like, no. Um, so, uh, but anyway, so we I, I managed to talk everybody into going to watch No Effects from the side of the stage at this German festival. And it was just a really cool thing because no effects were absolutely on fire. They were so good. The set list was great. And the first concession from my band was like, holy fuck, these guys can play. Like they're actually really, really good musicians. Um, but also, also they're fucking hilarious and their songs are brilliant. And I just sort of got this kind of grudging concession from my gang that maybe I wasn't wrong about no effects. And I was like, see? <laughs> um, uh, and that, that's, that was a... They they kind of well because I've seen No Effects be brilliant and I've seen them be less than brilliant as well and I was yeah. like whilst oh, yeah. I was dragging everyone in that direction I was like come on guys don't let me down um, <laughs> yeah. and, and they didn't so that was a that was a cool memory that's always the one isn't it if you go uh, oh well uh, if you've not got anyone you want to see at the festival at the moment I'm going to see this band and sort of people go well I'll all right, I'll I'll go to the beer tent, and then if uh, you know I can be asked walking over, and you're just thinking, come on, don't be, yeah, don't, don't have jet lag or something, you know, yeah, don't yeah. be, yeah. But that's <laughs> um, that's that's amazing. It's uh, do you know what that's um, that's really funny because that almost serves as your answer for what the best way in for a non-fan is. I mean, I th- it's the, unfortunately that. given that they are on their kind of um, victory lap at the moment. I think seeing them live is definitely the way. Yes, in. yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember I heard They Suck Live was pretty 
um, pivotal for me as a kid. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't, I, but it's not the same as actually seeing them play. Do you know what I mean? Um, no. They, you know, they're, they're just, and almost the kind of like, because this is the thing I've, I've seen them suck, but like, even then they were still pretty tight. Do you know what I mean? Like um, they were still yeah. like as a musical entity, they were still pretty on the fucking money, uh, which I've always thought was pretty impressive. Um, but I've seen them do that thing of kind of rock up and play, open up show and be like, yeah, this is our rehearsal for the tour. Basically, we haven't seen each other in three months and um, we're just going to see how this goes kind of thing. And they're not joking. No. <laughs> and it's just kind of like fucking hell, dude. Yeah. It's not a cute <laughs> conceit. It's, no, it's totally. happening that way. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I've, I've never seen Smelly suck. <laughs> I suspect that not having seen Smelly suck is partly a function of our age because I think you know I think there were times when Smelly probably sucked the most, uh, but he's been sober and all the time. Oh I don't yeah, know. absolutely. Yeah, but um, yeah. Oh yeah, I, no. I mean, he's been sober since uh, the day after they recorded White Trash. Right. Um, I mean, I think I think Hefe is pretty pretty on the money. To, uh, he's Hefe is oh, a yeah. sensational musician. Like he's a genuinely brilliant player. Um, mm. I mean, they're all great, but like, anyway, anyway. No, yeah, no, it's uh, no, but it is. It's it's one of those um, things where you do you do have that uh, uncertainty. So, um, assuming that we uh, that you know seeing them live is not an option, what would you think would be another way of uh, of getting it? I mean, again, if you don't if you don't have an answer, please don't. Uh, I mean, I'd probably I'd, I'd probably say Punk and Jublik. I mean, you know, um, it's it yeah. It feels like the record where they kind of coalesced. I mean, I love White Trash a lot. I think it's got some of their best songs on. Um, and I love Heavy Pet and Zoo. And I, there's not many records there I don't love. Um, but I feel like that was the moment when they sort of crystallized into what we now know as NFX. I mean, like SNM Airlines and Ribbed are kind of interesting documents to me, but I don't really care about them very much, to be honest. Um, that's that's how we described the first two albums on Liberal Animation and uh, and S and M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. conclusion that if you turns out you really love No Effects, give them a spin and get an idea <laughs> I mean, of I, that period of No Effects. I, I think one of the things I find interesting about No Effects is they were one. They're a band who learned how to be a band very, very publicly. Do you know what I mean? Like they basically <laughs> yeah. couldn't play their instruments on Liberal Animation. Um, uh like at all and yeah. like they will and where and it if you compare the bass playing on liberal animation to the bass break on the decline it's like how is this the same person do you know what i mean like um <laughs> yeah you know and yeah. and i think but in a way that's something i've always loved about them as a band and something i identify with on a personal level as a musician in the sense that like i think i'm quite a lot better at what i do now than i was on my first album um and, you know i figured that i figured out how to do a fair amount of stuff in in public and and a lot of bands don't all or if they do it's sort of held against them in some way or whatever but i think there's something really lovely about the fact that no effects didn't really they were punk enough to just figure out how to play in public and and, and everyone's cool with that i think that's nice sometimes you can sort of hear a band and you're thinking uh Oh, the songwriting's great, but if they just knew where to put their hands quicker and better, yeah. it would be so much. But with this, it seems that that skill has also progressed, yeah, sort of very, roughly yeah, totally. the same same sort of rate. So you sort of, yeah. oh, the songs are better, and they're able to play them. Oh, and yeah. then and you know, each subsequent recording appears to have been an improvement. Yeah, which, uh, <laughs> 
what, in your mind, do you think NoFX's legacy is? What does that look like? Ah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I feel it's important to start with the fact that they made a bunch of great records with great songs on. Um, And despite all of our philosophizing in the chat that we've been having today and all the rest of it, that's the most important thing, being in a band. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like the rest of it's kind of by the by. And particularly when you're looking at the end of a band, which is incoming for no effects like you know they they also did great shows but like they have left behind a body of work that is awesome and substantial and that changed and that grew and that is interesting and that is that rocks and is punk as fuck and blah 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 i do think that they kind of they have a kind of philosophical um niche that they occupy um in the sense that they kind of demonstrate that it is possible to maintain your independence over a long period of time. You know, I mean, there were a lot of bands in kind of, to go back to where we started, kind of in guitar music more broadly, who sort of ended up arguing that at some point you just sort of had to sign to a major. I mean, Green Day famously did because their distribution with Lookout meant that nobody could get their record. And it's not for me to second guess that, but I like the fact that NoFX have kind of, they're kind of a jobbing, punk rock band they've created a career that's lasted for decades that involved zero compromise with anyone at any point um and it's quite a nice counter argument to a lot of the other things that other people may have said yes <laughs> also i guess the other way i would put it is like i mean i i often think that fagazi are the most important punk band of all um and they're certainly one of my favorite punk bands but like the the fagazi um proposition if you like is slightly undercut by the fact that Fugazi were Fugazi. I need to be more specific in what I'm talking about here. Fugazi's, <laughs> Fugazi's whole, like, you know, pay no more than X for this record, be completely self-funded mm-hmm. and independent and all the rest of it, is fantastically inspirational and um, uh, punk and revolutionary and all these other things. But, like, you know, I think most people know that Discord Record was started and funded by Ian's parents for his first day of his, his existence. But also it was like, the guys became famous as the band with the pain no more than this stickers on their thing. And they sort of occupied. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, first of all, they sort of had this kind of, to use a more capitalist term, unique selling point thing going on. But also there was something slightly austere about them. And it just sort of, if you weren't from DC, something about Fugazi, it was inspirational. It is inspirational, but it feels slightly intimidating. It feels slightly kind of un, unreplicable in a certain way. Whereas, mm. And what NoFX did isn't quite the same. I'm not saying that, but there is, they they maintained a um, a punk rock career over a long, long period of time, and doing really well, like selling a lot of records, selling a lot of tickets, um, uh, without compromising at any point. And I, in a funny way, like Fugazi get all the props of it for for that. And I think that NoFX probably deserve more than they get, if you see what I mean. Because they ba- they yeah. have basically done the same thing, um, it's just not quite as worthy somehow. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, and and I'm and and, <laughs> yeah. and ultimately, I'll I'll take the non worthy version personally. <laughs> that's a that's a brilliant brilliant comparison to make because you're absolutely right that there is a that there is a sort of you know thou shalt not question Fugazi. <laughs> kind of vibe to a lot of yeah of, and uh, i mean as i say i do Fugazi, and i i know ian a little as well and he's actually nowhere near as kind of like um 
po-faced as, as popular culture sometimes tries to make him out to be. He's a funny dude. He's yeah. a nice guy. And yeah. All the rest. But like, but yeah, there is a sense to which, I mean, so, okay, this is related to this, but like the reason I adore the Sex Pistols, the reason I like the Sex Pistols more than The Clash is partly because I just like the music more and always did. But it's also the fact that I love The Clash, but The Clash currently, they have exhibitions in the Museum of London and they have lovely articles written about how wonderful they all were in The Guardian art supplement and all this kind of thing and 40 plus years on the sex pistols are still a little bit like unacceptable to to sort of mainstream <laughs> culture even yeah. like the arts world the sex pistols are a bit de trop kind of thing and i think that is the punkest mm-hmm. fucking thing ever do you know what i mean the fact that and, and it, it yeah. makes me it makes me laugh my trousers off the way that some people are just kind of like well i mean you know john lydon's just a bit much do you know what I mean? And it's like, that's the yeah. fucking point. That's always been yeah, the yeah, point. Yeah. And the fact that he still yeah. is four years later means he's winning. It means he's doing the thing. And if you don't recognize that, then you don't know what punk is and you never fucking did. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> like, God damn. Like, and, and, and there's, so on a similar level, there's something about no effects are still a bit kind of like not, they're not quite pitchfork friendly somehow. You know what I mean? And like, and yeah. fucking all power. They're not neckbeard friendly, and and and, <laughs> and 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 like good for them. Do you know what I mean? Because punk shouldn't be. Do you know what I mean? There should be something anarchic yeah. and disruptive, and and um, all of those things about punk rock. And it's not. They're not. They're not kind of like chin strokey, and they never fucking will be. And I like them more for that. It's yeah. There there is something. It was it, when sort of the the get to go back to uh, sort of quite early what we were talking about the the Oasis Blur thing when uh, that Britpop thing which was um, I always find it really interesting that um, the cover of Melody Maker that had um, Kurt Cobain's sort of obituary on it mm-hmm. uh, the the black and white picture and uh, his name and the dates mm. and the years the following week was Oasis's first ever Melody Maker cover. Wow. And it sort of showed a real shift in navel gazy, sort of self loathing I know Nirvana were more than that, but the 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 public perception to sure. a, a band whose first song on their first album was "Tonight I'm a Rock and Roll Star." Yeah, and it sort of really shifted the you know the the gears and stuff. But the thing is, is that my friends and I, our parents, heard Blur and Oasis and went. Oh well, this does remind us of songs that you know of music that we listened to when we were young, yeah. And um, and so then it sort of goes, oh well, that's that's, that's not quite as exciting, you know. And um, yeah, yeah, totally. It's not quite know, as the first time I heard about Keith Moon. Yeah, the first yeah. time I heard about Keith Moon driving a car into a swimming pool or whoever it was, Brian, J- one of them, okay, you know, Keith was um, was was my dad comparing. Um, uh, Liam Gallagher breaking a glass to well, it's not really driving a limousine into a swimming pool, is it? <laughs> and and it's like oh, the magic's being taken out of this quite quickly, Father. I don't know why you're doing yeah, this to yeah. me, but you know. Yeah, but this is it. Like there's, you know, there should be something just kind of that doesn't quite. There's, I mean, the the line the pro, that's from a propaganda song, um, which where he says talking about rounding off the jagged edges. Do you know what I mean? And like, there's been a lot of that in every wave of punk rock historically has had a kind of moment when there's a bunch of people who do a tidy version after the event and probably then sell more records. And, and like, I'm old enough to sit here and it's fucking whatever, who cares? Like, good luck to everybody. I'm not casting aspersions, but like in terms of my personal preference, I'll take the untidy version. Well, you know, even bad religion put 21st century digital boy 
they did on um, yeah. Stranger Than Fiction after releasing it uh, on the Epitaph version. And you know, it's that's the pressure you come under, I suppose, from a, a label that yeah. really cares about the number of records you sell rather than putting out a a good record. You know, so yeah, yeah. But that's it, and it's um, no, I think that's. Uh, <laughs> Of sticking to what, sticking to what. So basically, your your to boil down your words against your will, perhaps, is uh, they've <laughs> stuck to what they wanted to do, whilst being a nuisance about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially, yes. Like, yeah, yeah you know, and and it, yeah, it's not <laughs> good. Yes, I'll, I'll sign off on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I can't think of anything more exciting. It's sort of you know, you 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 don't really want to be the the worthy children's book you want to be the beano don't you you know so you've got right to be totally a and, and there are definitely moments when they they've been sort of well certainly mike's been his own worst enemy kind of thing but like i wouldn't yeah. change him for the world you know what i mean he wouldn't be fat mike if he, if he wasn't exactly who he is um yeah and you know in the uh in in the wake of the band sort of moving towards its its finish line or whatever he remains exactly who the fuck he is and he still doesn't care um mm-hmm. And he doesn't care about anything that any of us say on this podcast either. So, <laughs> good, good, good <laughs> which is just as well given some of our previous episodes. Um, <laughs> but no, and and that's and and to be honest, that's uh, probably uh, uh, like you say, um, having absolutely zero care about what other people think is possibly not the most healthy way. But broadly, ninety percent not caring is probably a, a, a pretty blissful existence. Yes, totally. Yeah. One, uh, one I wish I, one I sort of aspire to. Um, we've come to our final question, Frank. And Very excited. It's, it's a goodie. It's a goodie. Um, <laughs> who's your favourite member of No Effects? Oh, come on. Um, that... <laughs> Fuck's sake. Uh, I'm sort of, yep. I'm duty-bound to say smelly, really. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, they, they, are, they, they are all... In fact, you know who my favourite member of No Effects is? Kent. Brilliant. Yeah, Kent. Kent, at hundred percent, Kent is my favourite member of No Effects. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. And I tell them all. I tell all five of the people in this conversation that to their fucking faces as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. We love. We 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 love a, an answer hack. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kent. 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 With uh, should be talked about more in general. He's one of the fucking. If there is a heaven, Kent is going to heaven. I will Absolutely say that. agree. Like, Goddamn, he's one of the fucking nicest, coolest people. I mean, he's really funny and he's good to be around, but he's been a, an excellent friend and uh, person who can ask for advice about stuff over the years as well. So, like, all power to Kent. Also, I should tell you this story. I'll try and tell the, the publicly acceptable version of this story. There was a time when I was sure. in a not especially good way, chemically, broadly speaking, in my life, and I was on a bender in Chicago and... Um, was sort of lost and had been for several days and was very fucked up on a lot of different drugs. And I ended up kind of going to this bar where I vaguely knew the people at the bar and they just sort of ushered me into the basement where Kent was just there. And there was no reason why he should be there. He's not from Chicago. I didn't know he was going to be there. He was, <laughs> And they were just like, Kent will look after you now. And I was like, and he and he did, and he just looked up. He made sure. I mean, he he was also quite fucked up, but he just sort of gave me a big hug, and he was like, "You're going to be fine. Sit down, calm down. We're going to be all right." So, um, always oh. check your neighborhood basement bar for Kent. You never know. Amazing. That's wonderful for uh, for those um, 
uh, more casual No Effects fans who may be listening, Kent, uh, I don't believe he's their manager any longer, but he's been he's their a sound guy, sound guy manager, tour manager. Yeah, tour manager. Yeah, for uh, for well, for for a long longer time. than anyone else has ever done that job. <laughs> huge yeah. amount of time. Yeah, that's true. You, you can see him at his uh, best and worst in the backstage passport series. Yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> he he plays uh, he plays an incredibly good role in there and became his own mild meme, which was uh, good for him. Manager, yeah, he um, yeah. he he pre- not a hundred percent, but he largely quit drinking after that came out because he was just like fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, right. uh, I, yeah, I, I think I remember hearing uh, to that effect. That is, um, I, I think we're putting that in our special cabinet of the best three answers for that one. <laughs> you, you're joining uh, Karina Danike, who said, I am. Very good. Yes, very good. Yeah. Um, and uh, Lily from the Meths, uh, who you produced. Um, Lily said, uh, Lily responded with, can I rank them? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. And she did. Uh, at number one, it was uh, Smelly, Melvin, and El Hef, as she referred to him. And <laughs> number four was Mike. Right, okay, very good. I don't think Mike would want to be number one. No, probably not. <laughs> That's so, not really his thing. No, but uh, but wouldn't that just annoy him brilliantly? Anyway, yeah. but so there, so um, that's all oh, gone. Before we wrapped up as well, I wanted to ask uh, Frank a quick question, if I could. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, the band formerly known as Mongol Horde, which mm. I, I learn has been renamed to Mingle Hard. Mingle Hard, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have any plans of uh, do, any more live shows at all? Yeah, yes, but I mean, mm. fuck, but fuck. Uh, like, oh, but, come but, on. But, but, <laughs> well, the problem with it is, is that like, basically, um, like, both of the other members of the band have two children now. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, in terms of everyone's kind of diary, I tax that pretty severely with my own stuff and like i guess one of the rules of Mo- with mingle hard is that it's always fu- it has to be fun and just fun great you know what i mean like and if it starts feeling like work then we just sort of don't do it we we demoed 14 new tracks about three years ago and then did nothing else <laughs> <laughs> in about the most <laughs> most mingle hard thing ever um I mean, someday. I mean, the other thing is it should be noted that we're all getting older as well. And certainly vocally, yeah. it's getting harder for me to do that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, we, you know, we, I mean, I guess what I mean is hypothetically, in theory, on paper, yes, absolutely, we'd all love to. But like when actually practically that's going to happen, I couldn't tell you because I'm in the middle of an insane tour schedule. That's, and then I've got a new record coming out next year. So, so yes, yeah, so you're. Thank uh, you so you're, much. You're, you're sorry. I'll allow, I'll allow Red to thank you. Uh, yes. Uh, so, so you, you're you're setting off on tour um, tomorrow uh, as a back on the road. Yes. And, um, yeah, heading to Europe for some festivals um, in Belgium, Slovenia, and Switzerland and Germany, and then we have uh, Reading and Leeds and Towsy and something else, and then I'm back in America, and then last evening and. I play shows. That's what I do. Um, uh, but also, yeah, we'll be mixing a new record that will be out in the spring, I would say, uh, next year. So um, uh, lots to look forward to, or at least for me to look forward to. Maybe not for anybody else, but <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. 
<laughs> oh, fantastic thank you ever so much frank um we really do appreciate we understand you know your your, uh, your last day before uh, heading off back on the road although you've had a lot of last days before heading back out on the road so maybe this is run of the mill for you but uh, uh, well you know <laughs> it does mean that um, do, i'm i have i have uh dinner plans let's say that <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, we don't want to hold you up for those, but we would like to thank you so much for uh, coming on and uh, talking about uh, talking about no effects with it. My pleasure, and and indeed many other, many other things. <laughs> oh yeah, well you know it's uh, we are a, a holistic podcast. Uh, you, you they don't exist in a vacuum, uh, but sure. yeah, you're truly uh, one of the punk rock elite. And now we know what punk <laughs> means. That probably means even more to you. Okay, yes, excellent. <laughs> I'm glad that we wrap that one up. Um, thank you for having yeah, me. No, it's, the, it's been a lot of fun. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Thank you so sure. much. Um, go and find, uh, you can find Frank on all of the socials and uh, I, I assume the website will be updated with all of the uh, all of the things. So it certainly will. thank you very much. Uh, we're going to let Frank go. Red and I will see you in the outro. Thank you, Frank. Awesome. We didn't lead you wrong. We didn't. We didn't lead you wrong. Not for a second. Absolutely. You might be sitting there thinking, these two are getting a bit big for their britches going about, oh, we've got a good interview coming up. Well, we don't say it unless we mean it. Absolutely. And when we say it was a good interview, it was a good interview guest. Like, you know, I, I wasn't throwing in too much into the conversation because Frank is just someone that, you know, he's got plenty to say himself. Mm. Absolutely, I do like uh, I do like the fact that uh, he said uh, this is fresh in my mind because I was was it against me? He's like I was on a podcast yeah. about against me the other day. <laughs> it's like okay, there's <laughs> one of those now as well. Brilliant. We we really ought to sort of be a bit more uh, in touch with some of these. We do uh, speak to um, uh, 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 was it unscripted moments uh, mm-hmm. podcast about propaganda, which was the partial inspiration for this. Uh, we have been in touch with them um, and uh, whatnot, but yeah, we just need to sort of reach out. And then, and then there's the Alkaline Trio one, which was their inspiration. So, um, I'd love to guest on all of those because I mean, I, I, I'd love to chat about Alkaline Trio, Propagandi, Against Me, anytime. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll uh, we'll put this out there as uh, we are happy to cross pollinate. <laughs> uh we'll we'll bring out it'll be like a big potluck at the uh the very specific punk rock podcasts um <laughs> sort of you know barbecue or whatever we'll just have we'll, we'll we'll have to have a christmas party or something but um oh great stuff i mean this is the, uh, this is what i'd sort of envisioned not specifically frank turner but this sort of thing is what i'd envisioned when we first started talking about doing this podcast yeah, and it's it's really nice to see like the podcast grow. To see, mm. I don't know, just just to be able to have a chat with Frank is uh, is pretty special. And it's you know it's one step closer to actually getting a. Um, I was about to say a member of No Effects on the podcast, but we've already had Karina on. We have, yes. Well, the 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 thing there is, um, I think. Uh, well, I mean, Frank has said that uh, he finds it unlikely that Mike would ever listen to a podcast about no effects. And I, I have no reason to doubt that. I don't know about appearing on one. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I've always sort of had this idea that we'd sort of, you know, once we've done like a hundred of these things or something. Well, I also or, think that, you know, his current work, like he's, cause he's currently working at the punk rock museum. 
and I think and, that and on a farewell tour of the world, yeah, that's lasting well into next year. So, um, I, at the moment, we are real small potatoes. But I think he would appreciate the promotion. Um, so you know, we are going to cross all our fingers, all of our toes, and we'll see what we can do. Absolutely, it's. Uh, but again, I think I, I, the thing I like about our podcast is that we're taking people who are sometimes per- peripheral to no effects as in sort of you know know them have encountered them or whatnot mm-hmm. but other times just people who are fans of them and and you can share that fan experience now Fra- going back to frank seems to have the ability or has learned the ability to separate the fan and the friend elements of yeah. knowing someone and seems to have a decent handle on it which i'm really impressed by and i think that um that's uh, that's something, but I, th- I think I think fandom is a uh, an interesting and often maligned sort of thing, a, a, pl- a place to be. You know, people define themselves. I am an whatever fan. I'm, and this kind of thing. And I think that um, yeah, no effects attract a broad church. Absolutely. To be honest, I think so. Uh, fingers crossed, we get more people from that broad church. Um, and uh, all the rest of it. If you have any uh, comments about the show, uh, anything that you you enjoyed or you feel that we got very wrong, if you feel that one of our several definitions of what punk actually is was correct or completely <laughs> false, let us know. Podcast at gmail.com. Um, I, think, I think that's about it, isn't it? I think it may well be. Cool. Well, in that case, uh, we will see you all next time and thank you for listening uh cheers red thank you so much eddie bye everyone goodbye thank you for listening to punk rock elite it was a pick scrapes and fruitcake co-production by eddie french and red redmond if you're not following us on instagram or subscribe to the podcast please do the main theme and production was done by eddie french please contact us at punk rock elite podcast at gmail.com Thank you.